Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, once again, is Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Good afternoon, everyone. And once again, I am joined, but not in person this time, sad to say, uh, by our elite regular panelist, Dr. Bruce Garrick. Hello, gamers. So today, uh, we're finally getting around to covering the winner of uh, last month's Patreon uh, topic poll, Atlantic Fleet by Killerfish Games, which is a, uh, as the title might suggest, it is a World War II uh, Atlantic naval combat game uh, that is, uh, that sort of, I, I described it, Troy, as uh, Valkyria Chronicles, but with warships uh, in, in some ways. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what this game is and set it up for our listeners? Uh, the it has a campaign mode and a battle of the Atlantic mode, and but pretty much what it comes down to are the tactical battles, which are turn-based uh, between very small fleets of ships, um, battleships, destroyers, submarines. Submarines are overpowered and need to be nerfed. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, uh, in the Battle of the Atlantic game, it's, rel- it's a little bit of strategic uh, play there where the Germans have to sink a lot of convoys to before they can get to... Um, Europe, and the trick is, you know, finding where the convoys are, and then finding the other fleets and hunting them down, uh, but it's a very simple turn-based uh, game. And uh, in the battles themselves, you take your shots, and you miss, and then you correct for fire, uh, you know, correct your fire solution, you try to evade torpedoes, it's, yeah, it's a turn-based naval war game, it is, I mean, you compare it to Valkyria Chronicles, for me, because it's so much of it is about guns firing on other guns, it's scorched earth on the yeah. ocean, if you remember that, you know, very old game um, from the 90s, people who don't, scorched earth was, you know, a classic artillery type game, where two Two guns on opposite sides of a mountain tried to kill each other, and all they had was the angle of the gun and power of the gun, and occasionally special weapons and be terrain in the way. You don't have terrain here, but a lot of it is you know finding your fire solution, making your shots count, and getting them to hit, and hoping uh, you don't get sunk. Uh, submarines complicate things a bit because torpedoes have you know there's a lag time with them unlike with guns so your solution your firing solution doesn't take account of you know speed and evasion and all of that um and plus they're susceptible to death charges but depth charges but not necessarily guns uh so it's a quite it's a it's a relatively attractive game it's good looking i think for what it is which is a budget uh surface tactical war game um I have some issues with it, but I think my issues with it are not whether it's a good game or not, but an issue of whether the setting is a good setting or not. But we can get to that, I guess, in a moment. So I guess that's Atlantic Fleet um, in a nutshell. Scorched Earth at Sea. Yeah, I definitely thought uh, I was getting more of a war game with this when I sort of uh, suggested it for a, for a possible show topic and put it up on the poll. Uh, and I think the, the Scorched Earth uh, comparison is delightful because this is... It's somewhat a war game, but it's so much it's so much about gunnery too. Uh, and it really it really does try to give you the feel, right of of being there sort of laying the guns yourself. Um, and you know, at first i was I was ambivalent about that decision, but I started to warm up to it for for a couple reasons. Uh, one is that gunnery itself can be kind of fun, and this sort of takes a wargamey approach to it at least what's what what this game is trying to do is sort of get at uh sort of a key principle of fleet combat uh in the you know age of ironclads and after uh which is that you know ships need time to sort of find each other's range and the longer you engage one target uh the more accurate your your fire tends to become so like in in larger engagements one thing that emerges from this is while there is no terrain there's a lot of there 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 are a lot of choices to be made about uh what to fire on and when to fire on it uh you know switching targets can be really inefficient so you have to really be thinking about where 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 do you need to be putting fire down that's not to say it's an enormously deep game but i i thought the i i ended up liking the um you know the the virtual fire control officer simulator uh a little more than than i thought i would uh bruce how did you feel about this well i mean <clears throat> i i have some have you ever played naval miniatures no 
No, I don't think not. I don't think anybody's played Devil Miniatures Bruce. Oh, I think get out of here. I, I, I think, the, does Merchants and Marauders count? I'll bet it counts. Uh, Min- like, Merchants uh, and Marauders, absolutely. But, 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 but X-Wing, does X-Wing count? Star Rangers, yes. Um, so this this reminds me a lot of, of kind of introductory level or sort of popular level. I actually using use the word popular because, like you said, not many people play these things. But um, miniatures, naval miniatures games, where naval miniatures sort of come in various flavors. Um, they all kind of require a giant, like, gym setting where you just put, you know, uh, miniatures on a big floor. They, they play them at conventions sometimes, and people kind of walk around between the ships, and it's all very, it's all very fun um, in a sort of theoretical way, and, and it quickly gets a little boring. Um, but the, there, are, there are a couple different ways of of uh, resolving combat in naval miniatures, and the, the sort of let's get everybody into the game way is what's called uh, range estimation. So what you do is you basically say, okay, I'm firing at that ship from this ship, and I estimate that it is, you know, 147 inches, right? Or 147.5 inches. And then the referee sort of measures out 147.5 inches and then tells you, okay, your shot lands here. And then you think, oh, wow, okay, well, um, you know, that looks like it landed, you know, a foot and a half too far. So I'm going to say, okay, my next, my next shot is going to uh, go 127 inches, you know, things like that. And, um, and then all of a sudden you hit, and then you are just sort of firing everything in some little narrow range to try to bracket the opponents or stuff like that. And that's what this reminds me of, right? You, you, you have to, your, your shots always land pretty much on a line. But then you have to decide what your elevation is. That's the way that for the, for the people who are, are um, uh, listening who haven't played the game, that that's basically how gunnery works. And uh, it, the I mean the point of the game is that you find your range quicker than the opponent finds its range, and that's that's the gunnery. Um, and I, I think I mean it's interesting. And if if the interface were a little better, I think it would be more engaging. Um, I had I enjoyed playing with it, um, but I do, the 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 idea of naval combat just in that context, I have to say, doesn't really. Um, I don't find it very interesting, especially on the way it's done here, where the scale is just completely wrong. Um, mm-hmm. It it's I mean it, it's it's really I mean the scale the the. the the models. I, I, I should just just say that a lot of my uh, objections to this game are related to the way that it's set, uh, and then also it's. I think it has real pacing issues, um, mm-hmm. and the and the strategic game is. Uh, I have have real problems with that, but um, but I appreciate what they're trying to do, and I think that you know in sort of it, it, the there are elements of the game that I find really enjoyable. I think there's a lot, there's too much tedium um, in the game that goes around all these little interesting points. Um, but, I mean, that's a problem with all, I think all, with all naval warfare games themselves. So there is one thing I want to add about uh, this sort of just being a range-finding game, which is that, and this is, this is a weird thing that I've, I struggle to, to come to grips with in this game. Uh, it's a turn-based game where one side ships move in sequence, right? So first mm-hmm. the big ship moves, and then the smaller ships, etc. Um, and they're all moving at different speeds. Uh, you know, you move at flank speed, full speed, three, right. you know, whatever. Uh, and then you can dial in uh, a certain degree, a certain radius of turn uh, with your with your rudder controls. Uh, and the whole interface is very much about sort of trying to give you the sense that you're 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 sort of at the helm of whatever system you're operating. So when you're navigating, you you aren't like picking a direction. You're just sort of turn. You're you're adjusting the the position of your rudder uh, to set a turn, but. The thing is, in between the movements, the ships are standing still because it's a turn-based game and everything's represented as sort of being static. Right. But as far as the game's calculations are concerned, things are not, in fact, static, I don't think. Uh, Because what you will see is that your shots aren't actually firing true. It's not like it fires in a straight line and and goes out to the target. Mm -hmm. Your shots... 
will sort of take weird hooks and angles based on, as far as I can tell, it seems to be based on the relative motion of your two ships. And what the game is trying to get you to do as a gunner is to compensate for is to compensate uh, for the relative motion of your ships as you're aiming the guns, uh, which was kind of a cool thing, but is also really it felt really weird to me because you're you, you know what I mean because like it's it's it, it like the way this game ended up playing to me is that I was like why okay I, I want the ship the guns to fire in a straight line why are they hooking that far why you know why is the shot bending like that it's it, it's a weird thing where it's like the angle the the angle you're firing at your the angle you're firing at is not actually the angle your shots will go and that was that was a weird thing and, and it's sort of a frustrating way to represent uh that problem are you sure because i, I don't think that um i i think that the the, the some of the the point is that when it that your ships obviously move right yeah so the the relative position of the shot is going to be relative to where the other ship is it's not clear to me that it has to do also with how your ship is moving though i don't think that's the case right yeah i'm not i'm not actually sure i i just i i just know i thought i started to think it was the case when i had one case where um my ship and an enemy ship were converging like they were they were moving basically in parallel paths but in directly opposite directions right and at that point the effect started to get really exaggerated worse than i'd ever seen it and so i sort of assumed that okay it must be also then factoring in the fact that my ship is now moving flank speed as well because i've never seen the shots start doing these weird these weird hooks that i'm seeing right now i don't think that the, it calculates it based on your ship movement if it did it wouldn't make any sense Right. Could be. I mean, I don't like the the well the point the point for me is that the it's the shots are not just like pick a direction and hit that static target by guessing the range. There there is an element of motion the game is trying to get across. And I struggle to come to grips with exactly what uh I was supposed to exactly how I was supposed to factor that into my shots. Well you're supposed to factor it into your shots with the idea that if the ship is approaching you and you have, you know, the ship's going to move and you, you know, you, you fire your guns and, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had an, uh, an elevation of 27.5 last turn, but then, you know, the, 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 the other ship moved, you know, whatever, towards you obliquely at some speed. And then you think, okay, well, I have to fire at that thing again, but now it's, now I have to have, uh, a, a lower elevations because I want the shots to come up short because um, mm-hmm. you know he will have moved. I'm not sure the shots are hooking though. Are you are you, are you sure of that? Oh, I, yeah, no, they are definitely hooking because like there was there was a series there, there was a battle where I just had to keep leading my target farther and farther and farther. Um, you yeah, know, you not, have to not, lead not, your not, target. Yeah, absolutely. No, not that it was moving away from me. It was moving like left or right. Uh, in a straight, like, so, uh, like, it, the guy was in my broadsides, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I, I know, I understand that. Yeah, and so that's that's what I, that's what I mean, is, like, if I, when I was firing straight ahead, like, right at the guy, right. my shots were veering noticeably left, uh, like, from the moment they leave the barrel. Uh, you'd, see the, you'd see the arc of the shot. So you're mm. moving left, and the shots, the shots arc left. Uh, yeah, pretty severely. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no. This is like this, like uh, like I I am not making the effect up. It's just, it's a weird like I'm trying to figure out exactly what the effect was. Uh, Troy, did you did you encounter any of this, or am I or am I just I, the worst gunner I, in history? I didn't notice it um, because for the most part, I mean, as we said, you get better range, better information, pretty much no matter what. You don't have to change a whole lot if you rely on uh, the information that you're given. I think that's one of my issues with it. It's like things become generally so automated the longer you're on a target the more chances you have it's just you know finding the right measure it's only a little bit higher a little bit lower they're a little bit closer now um do i want to hit a little further along the ship how etc etc but generally your firing solutions get better and more precise the longer you're doing it which is the way it was and it's historically accurate but it doesn't necessarily make for 
exciting or compelling play, especially in a lot of the encounters where you're not you're not you're not going to have huge massive fleet battles where right. you're in a rush to knock something out really quickly. It's, you know, two or three ships generally against two or three ships. Maybe you'll have four or five at most, even in uh, the campaign. And a lot of them will be dinky little destroyers. They can't do a lot of damage to your battle cruisers or battleships. So there isn't this, you know, pressure to, you know, really knock that guy out fast and get that shot perfect uh, quickly. In fact, you're better off, you know, taking your time, um, which is, you know, kind of historically goofy um and it can go wrong a few times especially you know if you can't find that submarine uh so i didn't notice any of the hooking or any of the gambling for momentum i thought i would have to do more of that then it turned out really i didn't have to because the game wasn't pressuring me uh to make all of these calculations at least in an interesting way where i felt i was forced to because the um firing solutions came in quite nicely. I mean, I, I'll i go back to the submarine. The submarines are the interesting part. I mean, that's where your firing solutions can go kind of crazy yeah, because, you know, uh, ships ships change their speed. They change their angles. And unlike guns, where you fire them and you see that resolution, resolution on that turn, yep. you can fire torpedoes that are perfect, but they were perfect a turn and a half ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's I, I like that, actually. And I think that is, and that's, you know, why in, the Battle of the Atlantic is a submarine war. And to try to have the Battle of the Atlantic be about fleet engagements, it's, you know, not all that interesting because gun battleship guns it's they're they're fine i love battleships i love battleship gunnery but i don't need a whole game about it and i'm not sure i can get like i put like 30 hours into this game which is quite a bit for me to put into an into a game uh like this because i was just trying all the modes but it's not something i would like to say oh i want to play another 30 hours of it because i don't now a good submarine game where you have to hunt down submarine, you have to be a submarine, yeah. where things get complicated, but the Battle of the Atlantic actually was. You know, you, you can't waste your time. In this game, you kind of can uh, because of how it deals with ammunition. Taking out all of the uh, battleships and all the destroyers in your submarine because your target's the cargo. A good sub submariner goes for the cargo first. That's what your mission is in the Silent Hunter games. I mean, you just can't sit around there and just take out the destroyers and then hope you have enough left to go for the cargo ships because that's not what your job is, dude. You have one job, and your job is to find helpless merchant marines and sink them. Um, and I think that's probably where this comes out. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think I, I like the game more than Bruce does, but I don't think I like it quite as much as you do, Rob. I think it's largely because of my issues with the Battle of the Atlantic is a the only tactic... Battle tactics of any interest if, for me in the Battle of the Atlantic are the submarine stuff. Otherwise, it's a strategic war. This is a strategic economic conflict. Uh, best model if you have a good strategic game. And this one really kind of doesn't. Uh, all the even the, the the tactical battles. If you go into the the, the can not the Battle of the Atlantic mode, but the campaign mode, yeah. which is just a series of little battles, and you try to get three stars in them. All of the fleets start right on top of each other. Yes, you start immediately in combat. So there's none of this jockeying for position, really. I mean, yeah, you can change your speed, but changing your speed really only matters a whole lot if there are submarines and you've got to avoid torpedoes. Otherwise, you, know, you just want to get your shots in as before the other guy gets more shots in uh, because the firing solution is eventually going to find you. Um, so there's none of that hunting for the other fleet, finding the other fleet, all of that important stuff. Um, and none of that turning... There's very little of turning your broadsides. You can get the broadsides on, great, to get more shots off. But you're always going to be getting, if you're a battleship or a destroyer or a cruiser, you'll be getting, your your forward guns are enough to sink a lot of these guys or at least do some damage. Yeah, a broadside from a battleship is going to pretty much blow everything out of the water. Um, but you don't have enough time to really have this. You're not you're not approaching with a fleet in line. You're starting immediately in the, in the center of combat. And that is fun because it gets you right into the action mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily what i want in a naval war game what I, know, what I want in a naval war game is about what makes naval war interesting which is getting the ships in the right place to begin with yeah and i think this kind of misses that yeah well i think well first of all can, can i just go back to that? rob did, are you talking about wind when we're with the the shot deflection, that's what I, that's that's the other thing I was I was wondering about because where I was where it was most noticeable was also the same mission I was having trouble setting smoke screens. 
Okay, did you um, read the manual? Oh, God, no, I did the tutorial. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff in the manual that you should read. If you're interested in the game, you should read, because there's yeah. a lot of stuff in there that actually, like, for example, that, the wind. Um, so, yes, you can have, there's a, there's a wind gauge, and uh, if you're, if you're um, you know, if, I, I think that might be what you're talking about, because you, you d shots can definitely, you have to, uh, you have to uh, uh, accommodate uh, the wind when you fire, and if you're having real weird hooking, that's the only thing I could I could think that would explain it. That, yeah, now, that has to, to be it then. So to Troy's point, um, I, I I didn't find I thought, thought you could really break this game in a couple ways, and and, and one of the ways that you break it is that um, it, precisely how you um, describe Troy that everything starts in the same sort of everybody's engaged right and especially if you're playing the submarines you actually start off with a few really good shots at right and so actually what you should do is you should take out the sub the uh, destroyers first so if there are two destroyers and six cargo uh yep. you know six merchants then if once you get really good at, at torpedoes you can usually take out the destroyers or at least immobilize them pretty quickly and then uh you know if you have the only limitation you really have is that you run out of torpedoes um, and you, 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 you start with four, then they slowly reload one at a time. Right, right. Now, do, do, I've, I've gotten to the point where um, I, w I had two sal—basically I had four, and then I got another four that were—you uh, know, I reloaded, but then I never got any more. Um, so I don't know how long it takes to, to reload, and that's something I probably should have looked up in the manual as well. Um, but a it, while. It can take a while. You get, I, I had a lot of battles where they never reloaded. Yeah. So I guess the issue is— uh the um the way that the game generates battles i think is really pretty broken because it, so if you're playing this as a historical game it 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 doesn't have any i mean it really doesn't have anything no. that that uh approaches you know simulation which i don't know if it was if it was trying to or not but um but if you're playing the germans you can just break the entire kriegsmarine out into the middle of the atlantic with no problem right yeah you just put them all. I mean, you could you could just you just sail around with you know twelve, you know, with all your capital ships and all your destroyers and eight subs, and then you get into these little, um, you know, oh, there's the Nelson and two destroyers. Okay, we'll blow that up. Okay, uh, there's the Rodney and two destroyers. Okay, we'll destroy that too. I mean, it, it doesn't it, it doesn't work at all really for me. Um, so the the scenario generation doesn't work. The I, I think they've just tried to. I think they've just been too ambitious. Um, with a game that, uh, well, I think Troy, like you said, if they had done this with, you know, maybe a dreadnought game, uh, and then made it a little more, uh, difficult to engage, I think that that might've been a little more appropriate for the system that they're using because here, um, I, it, it's much more important to just get a whole bunch of ships together and then kind of overwhelm the, uh, overwhelm the, the opponent and you just, you know, you kind of run into things as they go. Now, um, you don't necessarily sink enough, uh, sink enough tonnage, but I mean, you can certainly wipe out the enemy fleet. So uh, I, I'm not really sure what this game is going for. Um, I did enjoy sort of playing around with the, with the uh, gunnery. And of course, you know, when you get, <clears throat> there's also this idea of initiative, right? When you, uh, when you have an engagement. So as, as the Germans, when you have initiative and you have a sub and it's, uh, it's, um, uh, sort of lined up you get you get the initial salvo where you can just basically sink a whole bunch of ships and then sneak away and once you get good at that um anytime you as the uh as the submarine player have the initiative you basically have have can torch the uh the opponent so th there's not really a i don't really get a good historical feel from this i don't know if that's what they were going for but they, there's a lot of talk about that you know th these are you know these are historical convoy routes etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I don't know how that ended up that way it's it's a weird mix right because on the one hand you've got really like sort of loving attention to detail uh obviously this is made by people who really enjoy like you know making recreating these these old fleets right like you can mm -hmm. look up specific uh ships that that were there in the war i looked up uh the u-boat that's on display at the uh museum of science and industry in uh in chicago right u505 Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, hey, they've got it in this game, so I'll use it as my submarine flagship. Cool. Uh, but there definitely is a consistent feeling of the setting being deeply at odds with 
uh, with the game they made, right? Like, I'm I'm not entirely clear why this is Atlantic Fleet and not Pacific Fleet, for instance, right? Or or not like Jutland Fleet or something like that. And like the only thing I can think of is I bet you it's a hell of a lot easier to sell a game about U-boats and uh, you know convoys and stuff than it is to like market a game about uh, Tsushima or something like that. Okay. Well, to, to go to your question about you know Pacific Fleet, that's here's a, a question did any have any did it, either of you get carriers to work in any interesting way i mean this was the decisive weapon of war that in the pacific at least and you think you know a smart player with a british aircraft carrier should be able to do some damage but for the life of me i could not figure out airplanes yeah i was i wasn't playing with the uh with the uh british i played with the germans so i didn't get that to work at all because i didn't have it yeah i just played i played with surface ships uh, what problems did you have that's I just a good point. Not, Bring, yeah, talk more about talk more about carriers, Troy, because that would be very interesting. I just, I just could not figure out how they worked. That's <laughs> the simple interface question. I could fi- I figured it. They had the tutorial. The tutorial explained things, but I just could not figure out simple mm-hmm. stuff there's, like landing and. The, so there's some tutorial I'm not issues. Sure if it's me or I mean, I could be stupid. I just need someone to teach me. I'm not saying it's the game's fault, but also in a larger sense, you know, why if if our why can't I, as a, I have my time with a carrier, but little time I had, time to figure it out. I'm curious whether I could use the carriers in an ahistorical way to mm-hmm. dominate the fleet area, to dominate the seascape. But of course, I can't because every battle starts nose to nose. Right. And the carriers are immediately in the middle of a fleet engagement and not. Yep miles and miles away, as they would be historically, where they could use their planes to effect. I mean, there's no point in having an aircraft carrier, you know, three miles away from a bat- from a heavy gun battleship, and then say, well, my planes will save the day. No, their planes have nowhere to land in five turns. Well, I mean, this is, there's just no point. This is also why torpedoes end up being so insanely overpowered in this game. Well, there's a couple, there's a couple things going on. Mm-hmm. One is that because every battle starts with the sort of uh, knife fight in a phone booth uh, model, um, submarines get a huge bonus, right? Because they, right. they basically start, they start the battle inside the destroyer screen, which mm-hmm. never happens. Yeah. Like, right. That, well, that's, well, that's if you have initiative, right? That's that's how that's how I think the game decides on this stuff. Right, but like what, what I'm saying is like you know any in any like Silent Hunter game, right? Or mm-hmm. like when you when you when you go and like watch Dow's boat, like. The reason destroyers worked is that they were really good at being uh, sheepdogs, right? They 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 spot they they're pretty good at detecting submarines, especially if they had an idea that subs were out there, uh, and and it was very hard to sort of slip U-boats in any meaningful numbers uh, inside you know inside an escorted fleet. Uh, it was it was it was not impossible, but it was but it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, here you start kind of with a bunch of point blank torpedo shots, and right. so my my opening move was always basically to fire every single torpedo I had on turn one. Mm-hmm. And like basically in a crosshatch pattern, right? So yeah, they're gonna be dodging and they're gonna be dodging into other submarines. Uh summer like other torpedoes. And mm-hmm. if I had a destroyer in the area, which has even which generally have even more torpedoes that they can sort of rapid fire out there, you can basically now uh just turn the entire enemy's fleet area into this 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 minefield, right? Yeah. Where mm-hmm. and torpedoes are almost like one hit kill weapons on a lot of lighter ships. So on the it, light ships, uh, you can. I mean, that's that's another thing that I think is is wrong with with um, the the damage model. I don't think it works when you scale it up. Like I've hit I've hit uh, battleships with you know like three, four, five torpedoes, and you get this. It's sort of like a hit points kind of thing where, oh, you know, I, I damaged this turret, even though I hit nowhere near the turret, um, things like that. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not completely sure about that. But, yeah, for, for lighter ships, yeah, it's very much uh, one hit to, to its kill. Yeah, and, and so you end up with this situation where, like, the, 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 the ships that are supposed to sort of neutralize the subs uh, are, are very easily taken out because mm-hmm. uh, you start with, you, you start in sort of the dream situation for, for submarines, Um you know, if you blow that opportunity, subs are very slow uh, since they're underwater. They're, they're, they they can't maneuver very much, so it's, it's very much about making those first shots count. But this game certainly makes it easy uh, for those for those first shots to count. So right. yep. it was, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of an interesting. Uh, basically, the the attitude I ended up taking with this is like, 
Okay, so this isn't really about the <laughs> this isn't about the Battle of Atlantic at all, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's 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 uh, my my friend described it this way. He was like, "Okay, so this is this is World of Warships uh, for history nerds," and I think that's a decent description, right? <laughs> it's like you just want to jam all that stuff, all that good uh, World War II naval gear into a big battle battle area, and just have go at each other uh, in a wildly ahistorical uh, fashion, but in a way that certainly gives you some of the spectacle, right? Like, like for, you know, battleships don't engage at the ranges you see in this game, right? They're not right. going broadside for broadside, muzzle to muzzle. But right. in this game, by God, it was effective to take the to take the Bismarck and just go straight at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, so that's what I was saying. The, the, the scale is just completely wrong, right? I mean, you have these these. Uh... Um, and, you know, I don't know whether it's the representation of the ship actually. I mean, I, I assume it is because the the uh, torpedo hits seem to uh, – it's not just an abstract representation of the ship, right? It's actually, I think, the actual ship, right? Because if the torpedo hits, it hits because it, it came in contact with the model of the mm-hmm. ship. And if it misses, then it missed the, the, yeah. the representation of the ship entirely, right? So I just feel like um, you're, you're insanely, uh, insanely close – at all times, pretty much. I mean, submarines, uh, the and I think the torpedoes don't actually travel. I mean, every, every, everything is compressed, right? The, the torpedoes travel much, uh, much less distance than they would historically. Um, you know, the, the the ships are you know right up against each other, like you said. Um, so yeah, I'm not really sh- I'm not really sure what the what they were trying to do here, uh, unless they didn't just didn't really think about it that much. Well, now, I mean, I don't want to say, I mean, I did enjoy playing this game to some extent. I mean, who, Troy, you, you sound like you liked it to, you know, yeah, I mean, I, than, it's, it's, this is bathtub battleships, right? I mean, right. as a, as a war game or a strategy game, I don't think it's going to, you know, I don't think it's one of the better naval war or strategy games out there. Mm-hmm. It is an attractive game. It is a nice little distraction. I mean, the campaigns where you you have these, try to get three stars and all the missions. I think the fifth or sixth one is you are playing from the German side. I general start with the UK side, then I went to the German side for the campaign. Um, I think the fifth or sixth mission in is you are uh, a couple of, you have, I've built my fleet up, and I've got a cruiser and a couple of destroyers, a couple of submarines, mm-hmm. and I've got to find two British subs. Anti-submarine warfare is very, very difficult yeah. in this game. I mean, it's so much easier to be a submarine than to find yeah. them because the, the way that depth charges can't really easily be targeted that I can figure out. and They'll come off your backside mm-hmm. um, in a rough direction. There probably is a way to do this. I did not understand the tutorial, but I did understand point your butt at the sub and press fire, which is pretty much what depth charges have come down to. You, know, you just fart them out the end and the hope a submarine dies. Um, so anti-submarine warfare is quite difficult. I, I do think it's cute that you're allowed to shoot your guns at the periscope. You can just fire your fire your guns, the periscope, which is you know, kind of a waste of bullets. I mean, they're, they're not really easy to target, but if the if a computer will take a can see your sub, it'll take a shot at it, which right. is cute. Um, there's uh, supposedly a difference between uh, AP rounds and HE rounds. Yeah, I can't tell. I guess you know HE is really good for the cargo ships, takes sand down real fast. AP may be better against battleships. It still seemed like aggregate damage for the most part, though. Like hit something a lot until something explodes, and I didn't. I didn't notice a material difference between like, you know, it's not like I saw a ton of like criticals happening with AP rounds, right? Where like you had magazines going up or systems failing. It really just seemed like that stuff started to happen no matter what rounds I was using. uh, After I pumped a few shots into the target. I think HE will take out freighters faster because I guess the cargo catches fire or something um, and may cause more persistence. But anyway, but in general, I, I like this game for the, yeah, the, the bathtub battleship. Here's a list of ships you can hire to uh, sail in your fleet through the little campaign. You earn renown points and you spend the renown points in new boats. Uh, the Battle of the Atlantic thing, trying to find the where the convoys are going, and mm-hmm. you get reports of convoys going down. They have to send your ships there. Right. Of course, those boats aren't going to be there anymore, so you have to try to box them in. So it's a bit of a Connect Four type thing going on. We try to back the other guy in, maybe go to use a more modern or ancient or 
proper uh, illusion than Connect Four. But there is that sort of you know find try to corner in where the enemy fleets are so you can find them and stop them from sinking your ships. So there's some nice simple ideas here. I don't think it is. I mean, we're going to be talking about Rule of the Waves, I guess, next week or the week after. And I think that's a much, even I think it's hideous, hideous war game um, is a much better, an impossible to command war game is a much better naval war game. Though it is, again, all about, you know, it's about guns uh, engaging, and but it's about getting the boats in the right place. And do you even want to fight? Um, in this game, the only ships that can disengage are the submarines. Submarines can disengage, pull out of the battle, and you can save them for the next mission or what have you. No one else can, which makes sense because there's no way you're going to outrun. Your little destroyer is not going to outrun the battleship. It's not going to, it might be faster, but it can't outrun the guns. Uh, So there's no point in disengaging. So that tactical element of naval warfare to even accept the fight um, isn't there. But I, I, I liked it modestly. I put 30 hours into it, uh, which is more, and that's that's more than awesome. you put into a lot of games. That's more than I put into a lot of games that I've had to do for the podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, so, I, this, I just, for pod- so this is something I want to bring out, though. Is, yeah. Is so like, why? I, I detect the yeah. divergence between your time played and your feelings about this game, right? Like, and yeah. like, and I'm kind of curious. Like, you put 30 hours into it, which yeah. I feel maybe a little more than the game deserved. So yeah. why did you why did you keep captaining those fleets? Well, well, once I was actually probably closer to twenty because once I left the menu on overnight, and that counts as, you know, for Steam's as far as Steam's concerned, that means I was playing the game. Um, but yeah, probably about, let's say twenty hours, and a, a lot of it was experimentation. You know, because the game isn't quite it's not gelling for me necessarily as a war game or strategy game, but it is. Can I do this? What can I do with a submarine? Um, can I learn how to fly a plane off a carrier? Um, how does this campaign even work? How does the Atlantic fleet work? Because there are these three different modes. There are, you know, the scenarios, you know, the historical scenarios, gotta sink the Bismarck, Bismarck 2, world depends on us, and the whole thing all the way down. And there are, there's the Battle of the Atlantic from both sides, and there's the campaign missions uh, from both sides. So playing a bunch of those, and it is generally the same game all the way through, but with very different challenges, I think. You know, uh, the first four missions in the campaign are really easy to three-star from the German side. Then you got to find those stupid submarines, and you can't move to the next one until you beat that. So it's like, I guess mission five is the boss, and the boss are two British submarines, uh, something no one has ever said. Um, so there, there are all these different modes means that if you're curious about it, there, there may be people out there for whom one of these modes will actually be the thing for them. Well, describe all the modes specifically for the for Okay, the well, there, the, the number one mode is the historical mode, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is these historical battles. You Single battle, there's a list of mm-hmm. battles, and you yep. start you yep. start in yep. the middle of when that battle is happening. So there's, the, there's, a, the, there's a wounded Bismarck being hunted down. So you start with the wounded Bismarck and the British fleet trying to nail, nail it, uh, or the Scharnhorst, or mm-hmm. what have you. And these are... Uh, there's a one where German submarines get in the middle of a convoy, and you're the you know, the British or the German side. The German side is super super easy. The British side is kind of hairy, mm-hmm. uh, or the American side, I guess, because you need to you know save your freighters uh, before they get destroyed. So that's the historical battle side. Then we have what they call the campaign, which is really just a bunch of little mini missions, right, uh, which, which you three star all the way through. But you earn you get renown, and you spend this for your accomplishments in the battle, based on the number of ships you sink. And you spend this renown on new ships for your fleet. So you start with what you can afford, which is a destroyer, pretty much, or a destroyer and a submarine. And then you eventually get more renown as the battles get bigger, or you're facing bigger challenges. So then you can afford like an auxiliary cruiser, or maybe at the end you'll actually be able to afford a battleship or a carrier. You know, you'd be a long way down if you get the really big guns. But it's about, you know, level it's about leveling up this navy you're building. It's got no historical tie-in. It's just a bunch of little scenarios from here to here. And it's kind of cute, because it's how do you build your navy? How do you spend your renown? This is all kind of interesting stuff. Then we have the Battle of the Atlantic mode, which you can play from both sides. And that is... Uh, a roughly historical uh, strategic game in that you have the historical starting points, I guess, in 1940. Yeah. Um, and well, 39, actually, because, I mean, I guess you're, I, get, I mean, the, the Graf Spee is, is uh, 
Actually, no, I guess it's sunk in the Battle of the Atlantic. I don't think it's there. Okay, so yeah, probably 1940. Yeah, so you're, so you're starting through 940, and you go through um, the entire war, but it's not done as scenarios. It's done as little nodes where you move your ships from uh, one node in the ocean or one port to the next one, and you move them from turn to turn to turn. You can join your navy, split your navies, what have you. Um, and some of these are, are convoy lanes. And the convoy lanes are what the British should be protecting because they are easy targets, uh, for the uh, Germans uh, to sink, um, and then where the Germans should be going. But, you know, the, you don't want to have everything rush to the convoy lanes because then it becomes just a, 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 a turkey hunt if there are too many submarines there. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is about, you know, isolating the enemy fleets, getting superior numbers and superior ships into the right position, and then playing it through. I never got all the way through. It's not even quite sure what all the victory conditions are mm-hmm. for it. Um, I think it's based partly on tonnage sunk, as far as victory, which I think makes uh, sense because that's yeah, why they can't. Yeah, it's definitely tonnage sunk. Because that's how they they score the right. battles. Uh, so it's tonnage sunk uh, through the battle until, I guess, one side doesn't have a navy. Um, and it's, you know, a, it's a very simple little, I don't want to call it a strategic naval game because it is, it is weird. It's kind of like very early to, 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 to total war games. Oh, two armies are, two armies are meeting here. Now you have a battle. And that's kind of what it is, only without the economy, uh, without the terrain advantages, without the spectacular stuff that makes Total War, the early Total War game spectacular and amazing. So those are the three different modes, and I think they're each quite distinct from each other, except insofar as all the battles are fought nose-to-nose. I think they each present different challenges and appeal to different sides of uh, the war gamer or the strategy game player. You know, the historical stuff is... Can I help the Bismarck survive? Can I protect this fleet that was doomed? Um, the rewriting history side, the touching history part. And the battles are all so short that there's not really so much thrill. And oh, I sunk the Bismarck. Yeah, of course you sunk it because we put it right up there as a sitting wounded duck uh, right in front of you. Of course you sunk it. You'd be an idiot not to sink it. So there's none of that thrill. Oh, I failed the Bismarck and I sunk it. No, they put the Bismarck in front of you and you sank it. Right. It's a very different. That's a very different thing. Uh, but there are. But the, the other side, as the wounded Bismarck, that's a little more interesting. Um, but even then, you're pretty much doomed. None of these naval battles um, are especially close or interesting. Which, of course, is kind of what the Atlantic War was. And there weren't a lot of. There weren't. It wasn't a war of fleet engagements. It wasn't a war of, you know, destroyers and cruisers fighting it out with big guns in the sea. Generally, you had a few of those, but it wasn't. They were scattered. They were in the early war. And this was not um, once the Kriegsmarine. The Kriegsmarine did not break out. <laughs> it did not go out and kick ass uh, in the North Atlantic. Um, and so, you know, having these to so the thrill of doing that, great. But it's, it is, you may find, I'm not saying, there are parts of each of the games I liked. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think it's in each of the different modes. I don't think it has, Something to a. I don't think it's a game that I will be coming back to a lot. Um, but I, I played it because you know I like Scorch Earth. Then this is you know oh, I'm firing guns at something. That's great and that's cool. Um, I I like a lot of things that aren't necessarily very very excellent. Um, you could take a look at my music collection. Uh, and I think this is kind of up there. It's not quite a. It isn't. A, it isn't a guilty pleasure, but it's the kind of game where, it's like, yeah, I, I see why people like this. It's not for me, mm-hmm. but I can see why a lot of people will just be happy blasting their cannons. Yeah, I, I found it. I found it relaxing. Right, like a few weeks ago, we yeah. had um, we we had Rob Davio on the show, and I was talking about like I I started to try to describe some of the games I was talking about as party games, and he's like, none of none of those Euro games you're talking about are, are party games, Rob. Mm-hmm. And and sort of as I was playing this, I was like, yeah, this is this is a decent little idle game, because uh, I think uh, you know for for me this is that's kind of how it felt. This was kind of a low investment. Uh, relaxing game where I could just sort of, you know, fire it up, play a couple of fleet actions in, you know, 10, 15 minutes, um, you know, watch my ships blast away at each other and let it exit out. It wasn't, it, it wasn't too taxing, uh, except for the fact that apparently, uh, my shots were being blown by the wind and I spent an entire game misapprehending why they were, uh, why they were drifting. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think 
for this is one of those like for for what it is type games right this is this is a this is a ten dollar uh you know naval naval tactical game that i i think does does ultimately succeed at being uh you know kind of the bathtub battleship game uh that you describe but I, it did leave me wondering what it might have been like if maybe they'd have ma- if they had matched uh, the game design to a slightly more appropriate topic, maybe, and 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 found a slightly slightly better scale. I'm not asking for like 100 percent realism here, no, but you. but you know, I, like there's there's as I'm playing it, I'm thinking, you know, I'll bet this would work a lot better and make a lot more sense if it was just set 60 years before or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think that that I mean there there are cool things to this game. Uh, I think that it's really broken. By the way, it is. It does start in '39. My mistake. The 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 overall campaign starts in '39, but I, I'm just not. I'm not sure what what they were trying to do with it because you know, you you also you know, <clears throat> I've had uh, situations where I put submarines uh, out in in sort of uh, you know stalking ports and things like that, and they seem to sink stuff without me even doing anything, which I find odd. Have you have you guys is had that happen? Like, no, is there just like an unescorted ship rule or something? Yeah, I think it's it's like it's like a it's like an event. It, I mean, it tells you you know oh, or, event tonnage, right, 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 right. Yep. So, <clears throat> so I guess I, I think that the, that trying to put this whole thing together and, and 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 Troy, you made a point that I thought was really good, which was that the um, the game is is really uh, you know it's, it's these three different things, and I feel like they spent time making these three different things when they could have made one thing that worked. I think that all three of these things have, you know, don't work in their own separate ways of not working. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, the campaign work doesn't work for certain reasons. The, uh, the, um, the battle of the Atlantic doesn't work for certain reasons. Um, you know, the, the, just the, the out of context stuff doesn't work for certain reasons. So yeah, I'm just not, uh, I'm not sure what their goal was. Um, I think it's it's a it's it's kind of a far too ambitious goal for somebody who's um, who's trying to make a you know a ten dollar war game uh, you know do all these different things. I mean, I, I'm glad somebody tried. I mean, I, I I feel like we're being a little too hard on this game. I mean, I think that for for um, for the amount of investment in time and energy and money, some people some people might who are on a budget might enjoy pulling this up and playing it. So I'm. Yeah, I I think I mean we, we this is a this is a ten dollar game for a ten dollar game, it's got a lot of content. Mm, yeah, for a ten dollar strategy game, it is a lot of content. Um, I'm not sure how much. Time. Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool looking game. Like it's not like it it's not cutting edge good, graphics, yes. but like some of the weather effects are are really nice. Like having a fleet action at dusk in the middle of like a North Atlantic storm. Uh, looks pretty damn dramatic, right? Like, yeah. and you've got a bunch yeah. of ships on fire. Um, oh, another thing I enjoy is during night actions, um, starburst shells confer an aiming advantage mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. when they are when when they're sort of illuminating an area uh, around certain ships. So there's actually a gameplay incentive to start fi- using your lighter ships to send up starbursts, um, which I really like because you know flares at night is a pretty cool dramatic lighting effect and it's kind of neat to see it uh here where you've got now burning ships and then you've got you know parachute flares being fired through the air uh it it looks it looks pretty damn cool Mm -hmm. now there's a lot of coolness but then then the 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 mechanics of the thing of the actual game didn't you find it odd that when you were um when you were moving like large bodies of ships that each ship moved individually you mean like I couldn't just say like let's move line astern, follow the well, leader? Well, no. I mean you move you you move a ship and then you move it and fire. So you have like five ships and it's like it's like a it's like an accordion. Yes. Right. I mean, doesn't it strike you as really an odd dis- design decision to make? No, I mean uh, to me it, it, to me it was just all in keeping with the you know theme of this is a this is a pretty simple. Uh, War game, right? Where it's it, you just it, it's. I think it's pretty easy for 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 a player, certainly for me as a player, to say like, okay, now I'm moving this ship. Where do I want it to go? Where I started to run into trouble is that it made it a little easy for me to start creating traffic jams uh, with my ships. But I didn't I didn't find that too difficult to to handle. And I just looked at it as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a Panzer General type thing. You move your thing, then your thing fires. Yeah. I, I, okay. 
All right, fair enough. I I feel like it's it's a little, but it's I feel like it's going for a little bit more than Pan. It's it's a it's a more. Oh, it's certainly, a, I'm, I'm, it's, it's certainly better than Panzer General. Right. Well, I mean, it's better <laughs> than Panzer General in a, in a, in in a certain sense. I mean, yeah. Panzer General did certain things perfectly that that uh, you know I think once you once you threw away certain assumptions, Panzer General was a was a, was a really good game that just didn't appeal to certain people who were very. Uh, hardcore about their history, but uh, I think that it, as it, from a design standpoint, for for the time that it existed, yeah. I thought it was a you know a reasonably. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, it's pretty inventive game in that sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I it just feels to me like there it's more of a it's it, it's more of a game. I mean, you put smoke, you put star shells, uh, you put um, sort of firing solutions that that by the way you know increase every turn that you, you, your accuracy increases, like you said, Troy. Um, every turn that you have, you know, it's, um, you're, you're tracking a ship. So that just, I, I find it odd that they would they would make such, they would try to be so historical in some cases and so what I felt was ahistorical in others. What do you think? Gotta make choices. I, I yeah, see for me, you know, Bruce, you, you've said a couple times in the show, like I'm not entirely sure what you know what the, what they're trying to do here, what the, what this game is going for. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of your your, your objections are are coming from uh, a degree of distance as you try to sort of figure out uh, how this is a World War II naval game or something, mm-hmm. or how it works as a World War II naval game. And for me, it it, it just makes sense as a game that's about finding a way to make cool-looking 1940s warships slam together in a way that would please a kid watching, like, a cartoon about World War II, right? Like, okay. But it isn't... But, but and, and, and this is a little bit of the frustration with this game as well. Um, I feel like there are settings, historical settings, that actually would have sort of worked more accurately and intuitively... Uh, with a game design like this, right, okay. where where this game starts to break down a little bit is, is that it's trying to be a Battle of the Atlantic game, but it doesn't really have the systems to support it in a way that that entirely makes sense. And I think the submarine's the perfect example, right? The fact that you've got mm-hmm. submarines playing a key role in surface fleet engagements is crazy. Mm-hmm. But you just have to roll with it because this right. is really about, well, wouldn't it be cool if U-boats were fighting... You know the 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 HMS Hood. I guess that would right. be cool. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yep. I I agree. I agree. I mean, there's there's certain it, it, the the pacing also of the game really bothers me too because I I feel like that some of the you know some of the surface engagements you know they're just wham bam shoot this guy blow this guy up fire these things and then you play for example the campaign and you have you know. One submarine that that runs into you know a battleship and three destroyers, and it takes forever to get that thing done because if they have initiative, you know you're um, you know you're just trying to sort of it takes a long time to disengage and you're just moving very slowly and trying to dive you know turn and it can become so tedious and and, and you're going to have two of those sort of bracketing this pretty you know beer and pretzels but fun naval engagement but service engagement that is so that that's the kind of thing i i i don't get um it it i feel like they just they um they suck a lot of the air out of the game with these things that don't uh that don't necessarily uh fit together with some of the other stuff that's happening sometimes immediately afterwards i think i think sub hunting in particular is real bad because i just don't think sub hunts are a thing this game is designed to represent uh very well right because like a lot of a lot of that is about patience and waiting and then also saturating an area with depth charges and this game doesn't really make any of that particularly easy but i also started to find that getting really frustrating with the gunnery when there was like one last enemy ship that had managed to for either by by design or not had ended up drifting pretty far from the main engagement and suddenly, you know, you're trying to, you know, take down this little destroyer at really extended ranges, right? Where your guns are firing at like, you know, if an elevation of like 30, 35, right? You're just like at mm-hmm. max elevation. Right. And at that point, it's just turn after turn of your ships plotting toward this thing, trying to close the gap. Uh, and then trying to figure out exactly, you know, at, at those ranges, uh, being off a decimal place in your gun elevation means the shot's going to go wildly wrong. Uh, and so it turns into a lot of, you know, turn after turn, just trying to bring that range down a little bit, 
experimenting with uh you know shot placement and uh, hoping eventually uh that a battleship shell just swats that damn thing uh you know out of the ocean so there, there, were, there were places where this started to break down a little bit i i completely i completely agree with you so uh it are, but you liked it i think more than any of us is that right no i think troy liked it more than any of us because troy like troy can say what he wants i, I think steam i think steam hours don't lie <laughs> um, I, I think I think Troy just needs to accept who he is, uh, and he is an Atlantic fleet man. I am a guy who saw a simple game and realized I can put a lot of time into this because it's a simple game and have things to say about it. So here's the, here's the last point I wanted to get to uh, as as we wind this wind this topic down because uh, Troy originally I, I'm surprised we've ended up talking so much about this specific game because I think we were, mm-hmm. like Troy you and I specifically were we're sort of prepping for okay well we're gonna pivot to naval war games in general and we can probably leave that to when we discuss rule the waves in a little more depth but for me as I was playing this um, I I feel like why this ended up succeeding for me. Uh, as sort of a naval tactical game is in part because it does break uh, so thoroughly from history, right? Is that it solves, it tries to solve a lot of the problems of naval wargaming by basically forcing you to, sh- to take the shots yourself, right? Because w- in the past, when I've played naval war games, and I'm thinking of games like, you know, Distant Guns and, and stuff like that, uh, naval tactics like and 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 dreadnought and pre dreadnought battle battle for ships uh, engaging, it's cool at first, but then it starts to get really repetitive because it's it's kind of just about some simple geometry and uh, you know and who's got the bigger ships and the bigger guns and that sort of wears me down a little bit and this kind of solves that by saying yeah but what if you were controlling the guns yourself you know what if you could be what if you could shoot the guns really well and it wasn't just a complete foregone conclusion that you know the heavy battleship's going to destroy the uh destroy the battle cruiser right so i think this is this is kind of where this game ends up succeeding for me in a little ways in in, in some ways because it basically looks at naval wargaming and says well boy there's a lot that sucks about that and does something completely different Mm-hmm. Well, did you guys ever play any of the storm power games? Uh, no. Well, storm power games? No. What is that? Yeah. What the, is that what uh, they're the, called? Yeah, storm power. Yeah, uh, Jutland. Yes, the Jutland games. Those oh, are all real. Time. I remember ads for that years and years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. The distant guns. That's a. That's one. Oh, of is that, yeah. Is, is that so, the one? So, so, storm Eagle was the studio, right? Storm Eagle. Was st- they call their things storm powered. St- Storm powered, yeah, Storm Eagle. Okay, so just uh, yeah, so I played the Storm I played Eagle the Tsushima so. one, the the Russo Japanese War one. Yeah, right. Tsushima. I never yes. played. I never played Jutland. I remember ages ago there was another Jutland war game as well, but I can't remember what that was. Um, what? How did you feel? Is, so you were just descri- oh sorry, you were just describing Distant Guns, yeah. So that's yeah. I didn't realize that was I, I forgot that was the name of that game. So that became boring really fast. For me, it did. Yeah. Yeah, because. I mean, I think that they were. I mean, that that game is built as a sim, right? Yeah. Okay, and it sure does simulate, you know, putting your guns on target and watching them fire. Yep. And then that's all you do, and you sort of maneuver your ships around. I remember, like, the first time I had a really epic, like, stern chase in that mm-hmm. game where like i had a couple cruisers that were in this running battle uh with some with some japanese hunters uh and it was awesome right it, like i was i was in college and i was i was sort of playing on my laptop and for about like literally because this game played in real time uh it was the sort of thing i couldn't compress it because it was such a close run thing. I had to constantly be adjusting the heading of my ships and keep just like sort of drifting back into range in order to take a couple shots with my heavier guns and then run away as quickly as possible. That was really fun. The first time I fought that battle, yeah. the next time I fought that battle, I was like, holy shit, this is awful. <laughs> okay. Because you were just doing it all over again. There was no novelty to it. Yeah, exactly. It was the same. It was like, literally, it was this rope procedure, right? Like, okay, this is is how these ships move. This is how you control them in a battle. And there's really not much incentive to experiment with it because... The ships are the ships are what they are, right? And right. if you you know, there's there's not a lot of room for experimentation because really it's down to how much armor do they have? What's the range on their guns? You know, that's that's it. Yeah. But I mean, it's the age old question: how do you make how do you make stuff interesting that has a lot of automated process to it? Yeah. 
But I, I find, but it's but it's interesting history, right? Like when I read like Castle of St- Castles of Steel and Massey's right. like you know got four chapters on Jutland, uh, mm-hmm. and you know it's it, it's riveting stuff, right? Like reading about these old engagements, uh, I must have read like you know when I was a kid, I must have read like a half dozen books about the uh, the hunt for the Bismarck. It was mm-hmm. it was it was exciting stuff. What always like so in my head, I'm always excited for these games. Uh, in general, when I start playing them, I'm like, oh well, this. That was cooler to read about than it is to play, and this was like, this was this was a pleasant surprise because it was actually still pretty cool to play, even if it looked nothing like that history. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I guess the one, the one uh, sort of naval combat um, setting that I think actually has <clears throat> there's not a lot to do once the fleets engage each other. There's not a lot to do, right? I mean, you you read all these things about the the hunt for the Bismarck, but they're all about the hunt, right? The actual battle. Yeah. Against the you know against the uh, you know um, what was it the, um, the the hood and the Bismarck is over in seconds and it sucks right 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 but then it's what, who else is it it's uh, is it Prince of Wales Prince Ewan and Prince of Wales yeah and 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 uh, King Edward the, Edward the fifth I don't th- no I don't think I don't I don't think I don't any I don't think any of those uh, like royal class battleships were were there. Okay. Uh, so it was it was Prince of Wales which survived and Hood which didn't. Each each battleship was accompanied by uh, one one heavy cruiser, right? Uh, and Prince Prince Eugen broke off. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, so the the um, that whole combat was not very interesting. At once the combat started, um, except for the the hood just completely you know exploding into billions of pieces. But um, what about um, something <clears throat> where you have to do a lot of things, right? There are a lot of decisions to make, um, and ships, even at close range, aren't you know aren't well visualized, and you need to use things like star shells. Um, the situation that uh, actually is pretty fairly interesting, which there have been interesting games made about, is uh, battles around Guadalcanal, like Savile Island, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just everything in the slot. I, there are actually good games about that, and I'm I'm surprised that, uh, of course, the the maybe the the market for that would be really small because I assume that uh, most many naval war gamers are probably not Americans, and so therefore they want to sell these you know to to Europeans, which wouldn't be you know an American versus Japanese uh, battle in the slot wouldn't really sell to those. But I think that would be a lot better game from a simulation standpoint. But I think in general. Where naval campaigns probably get the most interesting is when you're dealing with them on level beyond the tactical, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the the problem then is that I, you know, I kind of want a game that does both, but it's hard to make those games, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I want to play a game that lets me, you know, sort of you know roll the map of the Atlantic or the Pacific out and sort of plot a campaign and send mm-hmm. my squadrons out and right. and scout around. But then when it comes down to it. I also want something that's probably a lot closer to 18th and 19th century naval combat than anything that actually existed in World right. War II or World War One. Right. So it's 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 an interesting d- dilemma because I think I think naval warfare in general tends to, you know, if you're if you're going to represent it accurately, a lot of the most interesting decisions are made before the battles ever before the battle ever begins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a difficult, that's that, that's a hard thing uh, to make interesting in the war game space, uh, you know, because that by nature is, is kind of abstract. Um, you know, unless you go the, unless you go the rule the waves route, which uh, I can't wait till we talk about it, right? Because, yeah. because mm-hmm. that is entirely about, well, what, what are you even going to bring to the battle, right? Like, right. That's, it's, it's, you're, you know, that's, that's a game about thinking about what the next war is going to look like 20 years before it happens, which is, you know, this is, you know, I'm starting to get into the Pacific theater, Bruce, and it seems like every good book about the Pacific opens 20 years before World War II right. about the thinking of the respective admiralties about right. what what this era is going to look like. Sure. And 553 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and, and Mark Herman's Plan Orange, which, uh, of course, is a board game, but... Um, isn't there also sort a board of a, game about that? There's, a, there's a matrix. There's a game from Matrix, right? War Plan Orange. Well, there's a, there's a there's a. I guess it was a mod for uh, Gary Gribbsy's uh, Pacific War, which then I think is its. Okay. I, 
became its own game, I think. But uh, yeah, it's and, and um, okay, but that's not Mark Herman's thing. Mark Herman's game is uh, is a uh, it just came out in C3I magazine, which is really a uh, a standalone version of the of a Pacific War in the 1930s using the Empire of the Sun engine or rules, basically, which is fascinating. All right, well, that's that's another one I almost walked out of uh, walked out of the game store with this weekend. Mm-hmm. But one look at that map, I was like, I'm very intimidated, and I don't think yeah. anyone will ever play it with me. <laughs> yeah, so. well, that if you if you don't have a regular group, then yeah, that might that might actually be the case. So yeah, yeah. you don't want to. Yeah. You want you don't want that to happen. So I mean, to to sort of wrap up here, like you know, for me, I think you know, Atlantic Fleet. It was it was fun for me, and it's 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 a ten dollar game. There's like it's if you go into it with this with the understanding that this is not a an actual Battle of the Atlantic war game or or simulation. Uh, I think there's there's a lot to recommend it, uh, but it's not a great World War II game. I'll say it has some things to recommend. I won't go with a lot, but it has some things. Thirty to hours. I do my research, dude. And like you yeah, said, it's, it, why, it, it, why are you it, making it's fun of com- Troy for playing a game that, for, that we're talking about no, no, on the no, no, show no. for a long I am, time? I am saying thirty hours is that thirty hours Above is a number that I think suggests resonance to me. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, if I guess we're not reviewing and, and, it, right? And, 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 and like you said, Rob, this is it is a very cozy comfort game that you can leave on, ignore thousand things to go on. It's not like you're gonna forget what you're doing, right? Because you're only doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. There's the boat. You sink it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hey, so uh, yeah, I, I I I put in some time on it. Yeah. It's got some things to recommend it. I don't, I'm not going to say rush out and buy it, but if you've got ten, if ten dollars is a small amount of money to you, yeah, you could spend it on worse things. Yeah, it's not about the. It's not. I mean, I guess it's about the. I, the ten dollars is is not a lot, a lot of money, but thirty hours is still a hell of a lot of time. So if you know, assuming that you have that time to spend, then. There might you be don't, other you, things I'm not that you would want you, to spend it on. Yeah, you don't need to spend 30 hours on it. No, no. I think for me, this was a total odds and ends kind of game. It was something I played uh, while doing other things, right? Watching esports, uh, you know, killing a little time here and there. And it, it totally worked on that level. So for me, this, w- this was a, a pleasant surprise, uh, a little cruder than, than I might like. I, I think the tutorial could be a little bit better. Uh, it, it sort of shotgun blasts a lot of information in your direction, but mm-hmm. uh, there was there was a lot there, there was a lot I enjoyed here, uh, and it, it certainly gave me the spectacle uh, I often crave from World War from World War Two naval games. So, uh, yeah, that wraps up uh, Killer Fish's Atlantic Fleet. Uh, as always, this episode is produced by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. And of course, Atlantic Fleet was a show chosen by our Patreon backers. Uh, Every month we put a set of topics or games up for a vote and people who have backed three moves ahead at the $5 or more level on Patreon uh, vote to see what they want us to cover by the end of the month. Uh, so this was this was what the what the listeners chose. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can just go to Patreon.com/3ma, uh, and you'll find our Patreon right there. Uh, thanks so much, as always, to our very generous backers, and we can't wait to do our next Patreon-backed show, uh, which is shaping up to be Endless Legend, uh, a, a revisit of Endless Legend this month. Uh, since that's had a great number of expansions come out since we since we last talked about it, and hopefully we'll finally be able to figure out whether it actually works as as a forex game. Uh, but uh, anyway, can't wait to do that show for you. And again, uh, you have our you have our gratitude. Uh, so that wraps up this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead uh, for Troy and Bruce. This is Rob Zachney saying good night, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>